You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. What God was trying to do with Moses is get him to a place he had no confidence in himself and then turn and have absolute confidence in God. Humility is no confidence in any of your abilities, no confidence in any of your education, any, no confidence in self. But what God's looking to do is get you to that place you realize, without God, I can do nothing but with God. I can do anything. Humility. For many of us, this word is almost difficult to say, let alone fully grasp as believers and followers of Christ. However, if we truly desire to see the Lord move in and through our lives, we must first remove all confidence we might have in the flesh. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the process of Moses being humbled as a sheep herder for 40 years in Midian. In his study, you'll learn that while it may take a lot longer than we prefer, allowing the Lord to humble us is one of the most rewarding things that we can do. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Numbers chapter 12. As he continues his message, Moses' painful path to humility. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Over time, Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow! What a change! He starts out powerful in speech and action, well-educated, depending on all of that, goes out and fails miserably. But something happened over time. And Moses becomes the most humble man on the face of the planet. Years ago, I'm playing tennis with a guy. He was with our church, and he became our first missionary family that we supported. And we supported them very healthy for years, and they did a great work in another country. And as we're playing tennis, we finished, and we're sitting in my a car, and we're sharing a bottle of water. And he looked at me, and he, he asked a question that I wasn't ready for. I didn't see it coming. He turned and looked at me, and he says, Danny, are you a humble man? You know what I said? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> now, for you new people, these people are laughing because they know me. And I hope you're laughing because you know I was being sarcastic. I have the gift of sarcasm. And then I got serious with him. And I, and I said, I said, how many of us can judge our own selves? If you really want to know if I'm a humble man, go ask my wife. I didn't know he was really going to do it. He did. 
I think she said at that time, well, sometimes. (laughs) I think she would say today, don't ask her. Moses became the most humble man on the face of the earth. How'd that happen? Didn't happen overnight. There's a path to humility. There's a path. Here's Moses' path. He failed. You might be sitting here this morning, you go, I'm a failure as a father. I'm a failure as a mother. I'm a failure in life. You're a failure, whatever, to whatever degree. I, I want to ask for a show of hands, but if I said, how many of you feel like there's areas in your life you failed in? I mean, I think a lot of hands would go up. And the ones that didn't, you got a problem. Failure in life. Moses blew it. And he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing the good thing. He thought he was doing God a service and the people a service, but he failed miserably. He lost the authority that he had. He lost the position in life that he had. He lost the status that he once knew. Now, if this happens to you, you don't, you know, you know, you're not in this situation in life and you're going, man, I'm so thankful God's so working in my life. You feel miserable. But God is working in your life. He had to relocate. I should have put that in all caps. You talk about relocation. He goes from the palace to the desert. And he got a new job. Here he is, a prince. He's riding around in Egyptian chariots. He's got servants. And he goes from that kind of life to taking care of a bunch of stinky animals for his father-in-law. Then I thought, how long did it take? I call it oven time. It was 40 years. You know, 40 years. And I'm going to suggest to you that it's very likely that Moses, after 40 years, when it tells us he was the most humble man on the face of the earth, at the same time, I think he still thought, I have missed God's plan for my life. I've missed it. And he was so wrong. Now, before we switch gears here, there's a downside potentially to humility. You know what the downside is? Several, several thoughts. One is a lack of confidence. And you ought to have a lack of confidence. But what God was trying to do with Moses is get him to a place he had no confidence in himself and then turn and have absolute confidence in God. Humility is no confidence in any of your abilities, no confidence in any of your education, any, no confidence in self. But what God's looking to do is get you to that place you realize Without God, I can do nothing. But with God, I can do anything. It's wonderful to have no confidence in yourself. 
But it's terrible if you don't replace that lack of confidence in yourself and start to have confidence in God. You can also become inactive. You just go, well, I tried to do it and I failed and it just didn't work. And so you just, well, I tried it. Didn't turn out too well. So you just go, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Then you can become isolated. You can be a faithful church attender, never really being used by God. He's kind of a loner. So Moses is the most humble man on the face of the planet. Took 40 years. Then you go to Exodus chapter 3. And what Moses never saw coming. I just love this story, man. Verse 1, that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Christ in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, not an angel, the angel. It's Christ in the Old Testament. And he came to him, appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God's there. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Termites, Jebusites, all the ites. <laughs> and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. I think of Moses initially probably thought, how nice of God to come all the way out in the desert and let me know that my failure, my failure, that he still sees that they're being oppressed and he's going to send somebody else to go and get the job done. And I think Moses wasn't expecting the next line. Verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You want you to think that Moses had a, had a moment there? He's, he's so humble, and he would have had a moment. Oh, God, I can't believe it. I thought I was, you were done with me, and I can't believe you're going to send me back. Oh, where's my ride? When do we leave? Verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Guess what? He has no confidence in himself. In himself. That was different 40 years before. Powerful in speech and action. You got the right man. Glad you called. Now he says, who am I? Who am I? God said, I'll be with you. That ought to do it. I'll be with you. Verse 13, Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what's his name? 
Then what shall I tell them? I love God's answer. You tell them, I am. I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am. And you fill in the blank. Whatever you need, I am. Then you get to chapter 4. Moses said, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? I think he's thinking back to the Hebrews saying to him, who made you ruler and judge over us? They didn't receive him. Acts tells us he left, fled Egypt, not because of fear of Pharaoh, but because of failure. Their failure to receive him. Well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't receive me? God says, what's that in your hand? It's a staff. Throw it down. Throws it down. It's a snake. Pick it up. That would have been tough, but he did. Picked it up. It becomes a staff again. Take your hand. Put it in your cloak. Puts it in his cloak. Bring it back out. Leprous. Put it back in. Puts it back in. Bring it back out. Healed. It's going to be my power. My power, not your power. It's going to be miraculous. That ought to be enough. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I failed speech class. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Wait a minute, 40 years before, he's powerful in speech and action. Yeah, but he's the most humble man on the face of the earth now. And then we get down to the nitty-gritty. The first four excuses really, really fail to get at the heart of the matter. Despite him being the most humble man on the face of the earth. Verse 13, Moses said, Oh Lord, would you just send somebody else? And here's where there's a bit of mystery. Yeah, you say, well, God might be calling me to do something, but you know, if I don't do it, God will get somebody else to do it. Yes and no. And here's the mystery. There's sometimes in the Bible God wanted to do something, and he couldn't find somebody to get it accomplished. Now, I understand ultimately God's will, ultimately God's ultimate will will be fulfilled. I get that. But for example, at one point in history, he said, I look for a man to stand in the gap on behalf of the land, but I couldn't find one. He says in other places, if they had done this, I would have done this, but they didn't do this, so I couldn't do that. There's mystery there. Now let me throw you a curve. Read this with me. Will you do that? Come on, you ready? Ready? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I can take from that verse, if there's a part in the body of Christ, and every single one of us is a ligament, is a part of it, every single one of us. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are part of the church And your fingerprint is unique. There's nobody else has your fingerprint. And God has a specific call on your life and a specific work. If you go back to Ephesians 2, it says God prepared good works for us to do in advance. There's something waiting for you. And here's the mystery. If every part doesn't do its work, the body will not grow and build itself up in love as God would 
desire. I have a dream. Hasn't come true yet. But I honestly still have faith that it might come true before I see Jesus. And I'm serious as I can be about this. I'd like to pastor a local church where everybody is serving in some way to build up the body. My experience as a pastor, and it's been considerable now, is a lot of people just attend church. You say, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We've got to get the mentality that we are the church. We've got to do more than attend the church. It's not meant to be a guilt trip, but it is meant to be a convicting and a challenging thing that what, what has God called you to do to build up the body? Now, a lot of people have a Moses-type dream. Nothing wrong with having a Moses-type dream, but there are very few Moses in life. There's only one Moses, and even Moses doesn't want to be Moses. Moses' life can be divided into three periods, 40 years growing up in a palace, 40 years becoming the most humble man on the face of the earth, and 40 years leading a bunch of faithless people around the wilderness trying to get to the promised land, which they never made it. When Moses died, I think he got to heaven and said, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of there. (laughs) Moses didn't want to be Moses. We say, we want to be Moses. No, you don't. It's a lot easier just to pick up a baton and direct cars in the parking lot. But I can't get people to do that, except for the few faithful that are out here week after week. And I thank you for what you do week after week. And those that minister to the children so that we can get the word and enjoy the worship here on an adult level. Last night, service. Little toddler back here. I'd never seen them before. I didn't know them. But they were competing with my preaching. (laughs) And before an usher could get to them, I very nicely, a lot nicer than I would have said it years ago, I've grown. I said, I said, ma'am, I understood. Children understand children would just be children. And we're, you know, you're I'm competing with, with this child, you know. And I said, there's just going to be a child. We have a monitor in the cafe, and would you be so kind as to take advantage of that monitor in the cafe with your child so I'm not competing with the child? And they honored that. Thank God, after the service, I was able to find them, and I caught up with them. It was their first time at our church. The mom and her little toddler. And she came. Perhaps not even knowing, I didn't even ask, perhaps not knowing that we don't have childcare on Saturday night because we need people to step up to the plate. I'm not doing this, this message trying to be creative and to get volunteers, but look, I'm just teaching the word. But man, it's applicable, isn't it? As each part does its work. I don't want you to get to heaven and stand there and, and say, well, you made it. Sit over there, you know, we'll find a place for you. (laughs) I want you to get up there and hear him say, good job. Good job. Good and faithful servant. 
And who knows? Who knows? that I couldn't be talking to some people and you go, you don't know my failure in the past and all this and I tried this. And, and yet, you, maybe you're older now. And you, and I know we got to do it on a relative scale because Moses lived to be 120 and most of us won't live to be 120. But some of us might be at that age in life and you go, well, God didn't use me and I failed whatever in the past. And you think God can't use you. Maybe your best opportunities are still ahead of you. But it starts with washing feet. Jesus said, you be faithful in the little things. I'll I'll give you more. But you got to be faithful in the little things first. And the little things are big things because they're important. Look, I don't call it child care. It's ministry. I went to two ladies in one of the classrooms in between services, and I was just chatting with them, and I said, thank you for your ministry. And I mean that because it's ministry. Even changing those diapers, it's ministry. You want to gain some rewards, go change some diapers. I got so many things on the list and some things you don't even know are happening. We got people in a, in a room over here that are running the cameras so we can do the live stream. We need more people. We need more volunteers. We need people that can form teams and, and, and run the overhead so that we're singing. We're just singing the, the words, you know, but somebody needs to click that button. Somebody needs to put that thing in the computer. All these little things that make things happen week after week after week. And my dream is this, and I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Lock the doors, though. I'm not done yet. I'm almost done. <laughs> look, look. My dream is that everybody's involved somewhere so that in every area, there's not a need. My desire for Saturday night, once we start that Saturday night, that it's not the same people in there month after month after month. Wouldn't it be great to have at least two teams, maybe even three teams, and you do four to six weeks or whatever our children's minister director decides is the best way to work the schedule, and you do those weeks, and then the next team comes in, and then you are off. For that period, and then you come back in when the schedule calls for you to come back in. Same with the parking lot. Why do we have to have the same people every single week and every month? Why couldn't we have enough teams that you get a new team out here? Listen, that's my dream as a pastor. The pastor at church where everybody that calls the local church, Calvary Chapel Fellowship, their home church, is involved somewhere doing something to build up the body, and that will grow in love. And notice it says grow in love, because what will happen, what will happen is the relationships that are built just from serving, the ministry that takes place just from you starting to get to know people, because you're parking cars, or you're punching a computer thing, or you're greeting people at the door, or you're passing out uh, bulletins, or you're whatever it is, and you become part of the team, the team, the team. Last but not least, get plugged in. Serve. And don't ever let your past rob you of the future that sits in front of you. Moses probably thought, I'm done. God will never be able to use me like he wanted to use me. He was wrong. You're wrong. You can start today. God's got great things for you to do to make a difference for the kingdom. 
and what a privilege to do so. so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. We'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and that their hearts would be open to the truth of the gospel. Please also pray for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from God's truth. That does incur some costs, though. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on The Living Word.